If you'd grab your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 25. And while you're doing that, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we pray today that you speak to us through the power of your word, knowing that there's nothing uh, good that we bring. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that all of us um, are like filthy rags. And so, Lord, we pray that we would see your goodness and your glory, that you would speak to us through the power of your word, that your spirit would work uh, in us and through us. God, as you call us to be what you want us to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 40, we're continuing our, our sermon series on promises. Uh, and we, we talked about this, and I hope you remember the importance of this. We, we said from the get-go that we're uh, really, the goal is that we build our lives on God's promises because they're 100% reliable. Very first week we talked about the reason we build our lives upon God's promises is because every promise God made, God kept, and every promise that has been broken has not been broken as a result of God, but been broken as a result of us. In other words, we walk in a way that is dis- we, we walk in a way or we walk away from what God has called us to do. As we talk about this, and we, we build our lives upon the promises of God because they're 100% reliable. And then the last week, before, before we served last week, two weeks ago, we talked about how every opportunity for fear is also an opportunity for trust in God and peace from him. And so it's important for us to remember that every opportunity for fear is also an opportunity for us to trust in God and receive peace from him. It's important that we remember that. And here's the reason why. All right. In the midst of what's going on, whether it's COVID or whether it's race relations, or as people, people are saying, hey, you know, I've, I've seen more statements lately from people, the end of the world is near. All right. All of those things, while maybe situations that we're going to walk through and deal with, we can understand that we can experience peace rather than fear in those. I believe wholeheartedly that in the midst of what's gone on, most people have been controlled with dominated by or dictated their lives, decisions through fear rather than through peace. And so we want to encourage you today as we dig into Isaiah chapter 40, because today we're going to talk about God's strength over our weaknesses, all right? God's strength over our weaknesses. So Isaiah chapter 40, follow along with me, starting in verse 25. And listen to what he says. To whom will you compare me? right? To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my cause is disregarded by my God. Listen to what he's just saying right there. The question is, why do you think that that God has turned his back on you? That's the question he's asking. Israel's basically saying, God, why have you disregarded me? Why have you turned your back on me? And that's the question he's asking. Your way is not hidden. So listen to verse 28. He says, do you not know? And have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. 
Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those, listen to this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. This is the promises that we can begin to build our lives upon and understand that God wants to give us strength over our weaknesses. See, most every one of us, if we were to be honest with ourselves, could very clearly identify the weaknesses that we bring. Maybe it's the weakness that we bring to a relationship with our, our spouse, or maybe it's a weakness that we bring to a family. Maybe it's a weakness that we look at and say, look, this is, this is something I struggle with. This is an addiction or a, or a problem that I have in my life. And what we need to begin to understand is this, that God wants to pray provide us strength to overcome the weaknesses that most of us walk in day in and day out. So all of us have a weakness, but God wants to provide us strength. Over the last week recently, we've, my wife, or my, really, my daughter and I, Sarah's kind of sat there and fallen asleep a couple times, started watching um, a, a great show called The World's Toughest Race. It's on Amazon Prime. And what it is, it's an eco-adventure challenge. Anybody know what eco-adventures are? All right, all right. These eco-adventure challenges are, are hundreds of mile long races that take place over anywhere from six to 11 days. And it's racing nonstop. Matter of fact, this eco-race challenge that we're watching called the World's Toughest Race is hosted by Bear Grylls. It's an eco-challenge that's ran on the islands of Fiji. And the race course covers 417 miles that needs to be completed at the longest within 11 days. It had 66 teams from, the, from around the world. 30 countries represented participating in this race. And during the race, what I found awesome was that these teams have to navigate paddling across open ocean. They have to climb into the, the, the mountains within the jungles of Fiji. They're rock climbing up next to waterfalls. They're traversing dense jungle forests. They're going from swimming in an ocean that's fairly warm to climbing these boulders and then dropping off into these springs, uh, these river springs that are fed. There are 58 degrees. All running on, listen to this, they have six legs and at each stop, five stops, they have to have a mandatory 90-minute stop. Other than that, they can go as far and as long as they want. So some of these teams run 21, 22, 23 hours on like little to no food. I mean, they got some foods that they carry with them, but it's just through the densest jungle. It's the craziest setup you'll ever see. And what I begin to see is this all throughout is that weaknesses come along even in the strongest of people. And those weaknesses become large huge, massive, when you're amidst, in the midst of this race. Things like this. Athletes coming down with trench foot because their feet are constantly wet within three days, three, four days. And they're showing these pictures of nasty feet. Like these things are just gross. But as a result of trench foot, they have to pull out of the race. I also saw this that in the midst of it when I team player because the goal of this race is you're competing as teams of four, all right? Every team, 66 teams, has four individuals. They have to have at least one of the opposite sex. So they had one team that was three women and one man. It's the only 
team that was like that. The rest were mostly three men, one woman. One woman. Great phenomenal things. But what you'll see is this, that in the midst of these races, that one weak team link, one weak team member can pull the whole team out because the whole team has to compete together. And so what I wanted to really dig into, understand is this, that it's the truest test, not just of physical strength, but of mental, emotional, and team strength. And I want you to think about it in this way, because I believe wholeheartedly, built upon the promises, that we can learn something first from this section of scripture, and second from this idea of this eco-challenge, is that we need a team to get through the toughest things. But we also have to understand that all of us have a weakness, that all of us can be overcome by that weakness. And we need Jesus more and more to walk in the strength that he offers us each and every day. See, the producer, no surprise here, is Mark Burnett, who also produced the hit show Survivor. And he says this, that in the remote wilds of nature, you will truly learn who you are. And what I venture to say is this, that in the midst of some of these greatest struggles that most of us are facing right now, based upon maybe emotional spiritual health, based upon the fact that we've got unhealthy situations with this COVID thing, based upon the fact that we've got obviously an unhealthy nation, based upon all of the protests, riots, and and various things that are going on with race relations and everything else. We have to understand that there's a lot of unhealthy things. And at the same time, I believe that in the midst of this, we are finding out truly who we are. So, Here's the big statement. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this, that every weakness is an opportunity to see God's supernatural strength in action in your life. Every time I reveal a weakness in my life, it's an opportunity for God to show his supernatural strength in action in my life. Why? Because God wants to take your weakness and he wants to make it a strength, but it's only through him. As a matter of fact, I think it's great, the song we just sang uh, that, that we're gonna talk about here in just a little bit from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But I want you to understand this. Every weakness is an opportunity for God or to see God's supernatural strength in action in my life. So here's the question. How do I or how do we experience God's strength during our weaknesses? Listen, number one is this. We have to look to God's creation and recall God's power. Listen to what he says in verse 25. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Isn't that oftentimes how it goes? Like when we, when we come into difficulties and situations, when we come into a weakness and a struggle, we begin to try and compare our weakness and our struggle to everybody else. But listen to what God says again. To whom will you compare me? What we have to begin to understand is in order to experience God's strength, we have to look at God's creation and recall God's power. He's trying to bring out a key statement here for us to understand, that there is no one like him. Listen to what he says. Who is my equal? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? You know, the beautiful thing about being from Wyoming, and you can do this anywhere in reality, the beautiful thing about being out in nature and looking up to the skies and looking at everything that God created should be an amazement and an awe factor that says the God who made all of these things in his strength and in his power demonstrated his weakness by going to the cross and what the world identifies as weakness was in reality God's strength. Because when Jesus went to the cross, the world says that's a weak God and God says that's is the strength of God. That 
on the cross is the power of God lived out. That is the power and grace of God in everything. And so listen, when I look to God's creation and I recall God's power, I can begin to be reminded that God's strength and power are something that I can't even begin to understand. Listen to what he says, whom will you compare me to? See, I believe it's important for us to understand that in verse 18 of this chapter, the writer Isaiah is talking, or God's talking to Isaiah and having him pen this, and he says, to whom then will you compare God, or what image will you compare him to? Listen, a lot of times we gotta try and craft God into this image or an idea, but listen to verse 19. As for an idol, a craftsman crafts it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions it, uh, or fashions silver chains to it, a poor man or a man too poor to present such an offering to have a golden idol with silver rather selects wood that will not rot and he looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. And what God is trying to say is this, in the weakness of mankind, we like to create idols of things that become important. Things that we think value, things that we think that are gonna represent God and the reality what God is saying is, who can you compare me to? There is no idol that's going to represent me. Why? Because when you look at the majesty of the stars that each one I put in place, then I reveal my power and my strength in that because the same God who created those stars and spoke the universe into existence is the same God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. That's the beauty and the promise that in our weakness, God reveals his strength. See, the truth of the matter is that nature and creation ought to remind you not just of God's goodness, but also of God's power. And what I struggle with oftentimes is this. I believe that most of us don't want to, or, and I don't want to say don't want to, I think we discredit God and we take away the beauty and the majesty of the power that God has. As a matter of fact, he even says, listen, it's unfathomable. <laughs> Think about this. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them by name, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You know, the beauty of even thinking about this from this aspect with Rachel House is this, that God has a plan that is in store. And in the moment of weakness, even though somebody may have made a rash decision to get involved with somebody and ends up getting pregnant, they can still make the best decision ever. And that's to follow in obedience what God is and still bear that child. Whether that means potentially giving up for adoption or taking care of it because that's what God called them to do. The truth of the matter is that God's goodness is made perfect in our weakness. See, when I look to the starry hosts at night, they proclaim God's majesty and they proclaim God's strengths. The mountains and the valleys and everything in all of God's creation is showing his power and his strength. And so we have to begin to understand, that's what he's trying to lay out. To whom will you compare me to? There's not a single God, little g God, that can ever be compared to the God that created the universe, period. When you look out at the stars, when you look to the mountains, when you look to the deep recesses of the human body and how God created all of those things, unique, with passion and compassion, with the desire to have a relationship with, with them. 
Every weakness is an opportunity to see God's supernatural strength in action. So how do I experience God's strength? I look to creation and I recall God's power. Number two, how do I experience God's strength during our weakness? I don't doubt God's love for me. Listen to what he says in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Listen to what I want you to understand. What he's basically saying is this, that the people of Israel looked and said, God no longer regards me. God doesn't care for me. He doesn't have compassion for me. Neglected me, he's forgotten me. Anybody in your right mind, and you don't have to raise your hand, thought that's where I've been at at times. That God has forgotten me. That God turned his back on me. That in the midst of everything that we've gone through, maybe it's financial difficulties, loss of a job, maybe there are things that your kids have done or you have experienced and done, and as a result, you go, God, you turned your back on me. That's what the nation of Israel would have felt in in, in this sense or in this idea. I want you to understand, here's the beautiful thing about Isaiah. Anybody know how many chapters are in Isaiah? 66. Did you know that Isaiah is broken up into two books? First book is chapters 1 through 39. Anybody know how many books are in Old Testament? 39. Did you know the second book is broken up into 27 chapters? Verses chapter, or chapters 40 to 66. Did you know that the first 39 chapters flow right along with the Old Testament about man's attempt to get to God, all the things with the law and trying to do it over and over and over and over again. Do you know what happens in chapter 40? Chapter 40 is the message of hope. Because between chapter 40 and chapter 66, you're gonna hear the story of the suffering servant that was to come some 800 years later in Jesus the suffering servant that would redeem his people. And listen to what we're in, chapter 40. The beginning of God's redemption of his people, that he didn't turn his back on them, that he's always had a care and a desire and a love and a compassion for him. He calls them by name. Listen to what he says. My way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by my God. But I want you to understand this that God loves you so much that it says that not only does he bring out the starry host one by one, but he calls them each by name. And listen to this. Not only does he call them by name, but according to Luke chapter 12, verse seven, it says this, why even the hairs of your head are numbered. So listen, fear not. You are of more value than any area of the spirit. And I want you to think about this way, that you are of more value than the starry host that he calls by name. So do not doubt God's love for you. See, it's always easy for us to, when we're walking through a storm or trial, is to look and go, God's turned his back on me. God has neglected me. God has walked away. God is not listening. God does not hear. God doesn't care. When the reality is, yes, God does care. God has passion and a compassion for you. God has a love for you. And so you do not doubt God's love. Why? Because God's love is consistent. As a matter of fact, it says that when I am weak in faith, this idea means that I am not strong in the Lord. When I begin to walk in a path that says, God has turned his back on me, God doesn't care, God has no passion or compassion for me, then what in reality I'm saying is I am weak 
faith, which means I am not strong in the Lord. If you go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, so that when I'm walking through the storm, when I'm walking through the difficulty, when I'm walking through the trial and the temptation, I can build my life upon the promise of God that every weakness I face is an opportunity for God to show his strength in action. That when I am weak, he is strong. That when I'm walking right there with me, that when I go through the difficult trials and struggles and temptations, that God will never leave me nor forsake me. That's the promise. So I don't doubt God's love, but rather I rely upon God's love. Number three, how do we experience God's strength during our weaknesses? I have to remind myself of God's character. Listen to what he says in verses 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding, listen to this, his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Listen again what he says. His understanding, no one can fathom. When you and I are going through the storms and the trials, when we're walking into a weakness, when we're struggling, when we begin to look and go, God, I don't, uh, it sure feels like you've turned your back on me. And he says, I haven't. But when we walk through that, when we begin to understand, we have to remind ourselves of God's character. Number one is this, that God is the creator of all things. It says that he is the everlasting God and the creator of the ends of the earth. That means from the smallest particle in humanity all the way to the grandest mountain that we see, God created all of it. And so I have to remind myself of God's character. He is the creator of all things. But then it doesn't stop there. Listen to what it says, that God does not grow tired and weary. In the midst of weakness, let's be honest, most of us, when we walk through a struggle, when we're walking in our weakness, you grow tired, don't you? You become weary. You become burdened. You become overwhelmed by the situations that you may face. And in the midst of being overwhelmed and weary and burdened, what we can understand is this, that God does not grow tired. God does not grow weary, that God will not leave you nor forsake you, that he is right there with you, that I can gather and gain my strength from him and him alone. Why? Because God's strength is made perfect in weakness. That when I am at my weakest, listen to this, when I am at my weakest, that is the opportunity for God to show his grandest and greatest strength because he works in your weaknesses. He works in my weaknesses. And that's the way it's always worked throughout scripture. All throughout the Bible, we see over and over and over again, identifying people who have great weaknesses. And God says, look, I can take the weaknesses of these guys and I can make them strengths because I am the one who works in you and through you. It's not about you working in and of yourself. It's about me working in you and through you. So I got to remind myself of God's character. Listen, <laughs> I even think about this. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. 
that statement right there is a complete contradictory statement to everything that goes on in our world today because we like to try and explain everything. And when we can't, we go, well, it just can't be true if it can't be explained. No, there's lots of things that can be true that aren't explainable. Could you imagine being the creation and trying to say, I can explain my creator? That's not possible. Number one, our minds are so small, we can't even begin to understand and comprehend all that God says about himself. And to try and explain it is almost impossible. I have to listen and I have to understand and I have to remind myself of God's character, that he gives strength to the weary. Listen to what he says in verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. See, there are many challenges and difficulties we face in our lifetime, but one thing is certain, that when we rely upon the strength of the Lord, that God is going to give us the strength we need. Why? Because it says that. That's the promise. I give strength to the weary. When I feel weary, I don't rely upon myself, but rather I rely upon the power of the majestic God who created and spoke all things to existence, who formed me and fashioned me. And listen, and then he says this, that he will increase the power of the weak. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So when we begin to understand God's character, we begin to understand that he gives us or he increases the power of the weak. How does he increase the power of the weak? By giving us or offering us a relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ on the cross, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so there's the promise that I remind myself of God's character. What is God's character? God's character was, I loved you so much that I sent my son to die on the cross for you. There is the power that we need. That is the strength that we can carry. I want to read just a quick quote from a Charles Spurgeon sermon a long time ago, but I want you to listen to this, what he says. When was Christ strongest? But when he was the weakest. When did he shake the kingdom of darkness? But when he was nailed to the tree. When did he put away sin for his people? but when his heart was pierced. When did he trample upon death and the old dragon, but when he himself was about to die. His victory was in the extremity of his weakness, namely in his death. And it must be the same with this trembling church. She has no might. She must suffer. She must be slandered and derided. And so the Lord will triumph through her. The conquering sign is still the cross. Listen to me, when we are at our weakest, he is the strongest. And that is the call for the church, that when we are weak, he is strong. When we are broken, he is unbroken. When we are weary, he is not. He never grows tired. And number four, how do we experience God's strength during our weakness? We have to acknowledge our weakness and our hope in the Lord. You know, I think the biggest thing about a weakness is just acknowledging it. Everybody else already knows it. They've seen it. We just like to think we can hide it, right? Like I do a very good job of hiding my weakness. At least I think I do. When everybody else is like, bro, you're just dumber than a box of rocks. Everybody sees it. I see your weakness. 
You're just hiding it from yourself. When I acknowledge my weakness and I put my hope in the Lord, now I get to experience the strength that God wants for me over weakness. Listen to what he says in the last verse, the last two verses. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Do you get what that statement is? In the midst of the prime of life, those of you who are getting older, you know what it's like to all of a sudden go, man, I used to be able to do that, but now that kicks my butt. Now I'm exhausted. Now there's no way I could do that. And so you begin to understand what he's trying to say. Listen, there are times where the youth may seem to be the ones who are the strongest, but in the midst of that strength, even in youth, they grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. And then listen to what he says though. But those, not based on age, those who hope in the Lord, they will be the ones who will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will not walk and not be faint. See, you and I are all going to stumble. We know that consistently. We see it all throughout, uh, all throughout scripture that sin is a given, that you and I are forgiven when we confess our sins. He who is faithful and just to forgive us of any and all unrighteousness when we confess those. But I want you to understand this, that true, true strength, is the presence of our weakness. Listen to me. True strength is the presence of our weakness and the acknowledgement of our need for God. True strength comes when we acknowledge our weakness and we acknowledge our need for God. And I'm gonna show you that with 2 Corinthians chapter 12 as we wrap up here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse seven. This is the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And he says this in verse seven. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times it says, this is Paul, God, will you just take this stupid weakness away? Nope. He says he asked him three times. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And here's what I love. Listen to what the Lord says. My grace is sufficient for you. Because listen to what he says. My power if you like to write in your Bible, highlight or anything, I would circle that right there, my power. Not your power, not my power, but God's power. That God's power is made perfect in human weakness because in our weaknesses, he is strong. That when we're walking through the storms and the trials, when we're walking through a life that is hell-bent on sin and destruction, that in those times, God shows his strength through his grace of Jesus' death on the cross. God shows his strength that he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that God shows that. And then listen to what he says following that. Therefore, this is Paul talking about, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. And here's why. So that Christ's power may rest on me. Do you want the power of God to rest upon you? then humbly acknowledge your weaknesses. See, here's one of the things we, as Americans, with the old 
pick yourself up or pull up your bootstraps and get to going is this idea that we, weakness is literally that, a weakness. In other words, you are admitting failure. And the good news of the gospel is that when you admit your failure, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of any and all unrighteousness. When I admit my failure, then God's strength rises to the occasion and overcomes every weakness that I could ever face. The greatest weakness being your sins. But then from there, in the midst of you looking and going, I don't know what I bring or what I can offer, that God's strength rises up. And listen to me, here's the beauty of this. If you know anything about the Bible, if you know anything about Scripture, where it talks about how God gives us the power of the Spirit in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Why? Because in your weakness, in the acknowledgement of your weakness, in the acknowledgement of your weakness, in the admission that you need God, you need Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection to purchase you, to give you the strength that you need, you become a witness that carries the power of the Holy Spirit now with you. In our weaknesses, God is strongest. And I just want you to think about that and tie that into everything that you live. Because listen, in every weakness, there is an opportunity to see God's supernatural strength in action. The question is, are you willing to do what we just talked about and acknowledge your weakness, to acknowledge your sins, to put your faith and trust in him because that's the biggest thing. He says that those who hope in the Lord will be renewed. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not faint. That's the promise. Then in your weakness, you will run and not grow weary, not because of you, but because of God's grace in Jesus. Not because of what you offer, or what you bring, but because it gives you the strength in the weakest times and in the weakest moments. So I wanna encourage you with this as we're dismissed. We're gonna have the band, they're gonna come up and play. We're gonna ask you to dismiss row by row from back to front. But I wanna encourage you with this last verse. We're gonna close out again. Second Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse nine. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Let's pray. As we pray and as you're dismissed, we want to encourage you to give. As you give, you can give to the offering plates that we'll have out there. You can give online, but we want to close with this. Father, we praise you and we thank you that your grace is enough, that you use the weak to lead the strong, that we gain strength when we acknowledge our weaknesses because every weakness is an opportunity to your strength in action. And so God, we pray as weak individuals, acknowledging our sins and crying out for your love, for your grace and for your strength, knowing that your power is made perfect in weakness. God, can we experience a little bit of that power this week in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.